before you ask, I have not watched Mark Robinson's latest church video. Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. I haven't seen it. And no, I'm not going to trust North Carolina media folks to tell me what's in the video. Because they have a bit of a perspective, if you will, when they tell me what's going on. So I, haven't, I did see, though, got a... Within the... Yeah, so the North Carolina Senate Democrats uh, Twitter account responding to um, responding to this video because Travis Fain, who's on the Mark Robinson beat, he is watching every Mark Robinson speech at a church to let you know Mark Robinson is a bit of a Christian. Just want you want to put that out there. You need to know this, people. He's a bit of a Christian, and you know them Christians. They got some wacky views about things. And Travis Fain, I'm gonna, I don't even want to say what he's tweeting about it because he wrote a story about it. I don't even want to tell you because I, I have not been able to confirm what. He, OK, I'll tell you. So he says within the space of a few minutes, he appeared at uh, Freedom House Church in Charlotte. And within the space of a few minutes, the lieutenant governor mocked a famous civil rights hymn. Wait, is that a new pronoun? Did, we, did they add another? Is that him? H, because H-Y-M-N. That actually would be a pretty inclusive pronoun if I think about it. Right? He, him, or hi, him. It would be H-Y. Right? Why? Anyway. Sorry. It's where my mind goes. I cannot help it. All right. Uh, he mocked a famous civil rights hymn. He said God could see him right there. When I see someone saying that somebody mocks something, I know that there are a lot of people in media that they... They, they are, uh, well, they are on the millennial spectrum. Sorry, present company excluded, Bernie. I call it, they're on the millennial spectrum. You know, the, the trigger warnings, the cry closets, everything's, oh, I need a safe space, right? Words are violence. is garbage. And, um, and I don't blame the millennials for that. It's the, it was their parents that did it. It was the older generation that did that to them. But this idea that he mocks something we, we saw it the other day, right, where Congressman Dan Bishop was accused of mocking a woman. No, he didn't mock women. That's what they said. He, that's how they framed it. That was the word they chose to use. And when you listen to what Dan Bishop said, he was not actually mocking anybody. So I don't know if that's Travis Fain doing the same thing that reporter types do to many Republicans. Of course, now they're rushing to play the defend or disavow game. Everybody's rushing out sticking microphones in Republicans' faces and saying, Defender disavow, Mark Robinson mocked a woman. Or, sorry, Mark Robinson mocked a civil rights hymn. Defender disavow, defender disavow. Meanwhile, you've got a Democrat county party chairwoman in New Hanover, down east, and she's she's been brought up on charges with the bar because... She took a bunch of money from a guy to file a lawsuit and then never and then and then retired. She took his money and then never did anything for his case. Oh, and she also was a former state lawmaker before she became county commission chair down there. She's a long time uh, or like two or three terms state senator. So nobody playing defender disavow with her, obviously. That she's been brought up on charges, may face disbarment. She still has her bar, uh, her her law license. She's still registered with the bar. 
even though she claims she's retired and not practicing law anymore, but she's still keeping up with that. Anyway. So Travis Fain at WRAL-TV says that Mark Robinson mocked this song, said God calls men, not women, to lead. Remember, this was, what what was that group? The Promise Keepers, right? Didn't they, they had a similar message, right? This is, it always amazes me how profoundly ignorant of various strains of Christianity Travis Fain is, specifically, and reporters are generally. So Travis Fain wants you to know that Mark Robinson believes that God calls men to lead. That is a strain in Christianity that reads the Bible and says, right, this is the whole thing. Well, I'm not going to, you know, let my husband just do whatever he wants and all of that stuff. Look, I don't know enough about the whole, that whole strain of it. I don't know, uh, you know, what animates him. I just remember this has been around for like 30 or 40 years, sort of in the mainstream media reporting on Various strains of Christianity. So that's one. But uh, so he has to highlight that and then compare teachers to sexual predators. Well, some of them are. Some of them are. Uh, You I mean, we are. I'd say we probably average about one a day in North Carolina. A teacher that gets popped for some sort of. You know, indecent liberties or child porn on the computer or whatever, like. There's, there's, there's probably maybe, all right, maybe one every other day, something to that effect. But there's a, there are a lot of teachers that get busted. Now there are a lot of teachers too. So that's part of it, right? Law of large numbers kind of thing going on there, but also it's where the kids are, but also add in not even the teachers that get arrested for wrongdoing, actual criminal charges and the like, but add into that all of the teachers that post their videos on TikTok talking about how, you know, they're going to uh, spread genderqueer theory to your kindergartner. So, yeah, he's putting all of those into one basket. So I assume that's what he's talking about. I haven't watched the video because I was just made aware of it. But Travis Fain is on the Mark Robinson church beat. So he, he posted up the link and I'll go watch the full. It's like a 45 minute speech or sermon. So I will go and watch it. But I thought this was interesting, and thank you uh, for sending it along on the Twitter account here. Um, the Senate Democrats responded to Travis Fain's tweet, and they said, looks like Mark Robinson is getting too big for his britches. You'll recall this was the comment that Robinson made a couple of, uh, about, I guess about a week, yeah, a week ago, a little over a week ago at the NRA convention where he talked about the reason for the Second Amendment is so if the government gets too big for its britches, the people can rise up, and he said he would fill their britches with lead. That was the, that, like, that's the point of the Second Amendment. And the Senate Democrats are responding with a reference, a callback, if you will, to that uh, comment. But listen to the next sentence. They say, it looks like Robinson is getting... Too big for his britches. Certainly a women, certainly a women can mend them for him. Wait, certainly a woman could mend them for him? Why would that fall to a woman to mend a man's pants? I'm so confused. That seems terribly sexisty. 
doesn't it? Interesting. Oh, I, I know. It's different when they do it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110, and the email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. If you go to that website, also you get the uh, podcast. It comes uh, delivered right to your smartphone or tablet, totally free, commercial free, three times a day. Each hour basically is its own podcast. And um, let me get back to the... Uh, this city council action they are they're moving forward. The Charlotte city council moving forward on the Serena deal. I really don't anticipate anything tanking this. Um, last night they had a marathon meeting. They covered a lot of stuff. And so I'll bring you different stories throughout the week from that meeting as well. Um, oh my God, the equity, the diversity, equity and inclusion. Oh my God. That's a word. I will be so happy when the word equity circles the drain like synergy did, you know, and proactive. Ugh, hate these terms. I sat there and watched this presentation on their DEI efforts, the equity efforts at the city. First off, it's infused in everything, and that's by design. They talk openly about it. But I don't think I have ever sat through a presentation, and I've sat through a lot of presentations. I covered the Charlotte City Council, County Commission, School Board for more than a decade. I covered the State House, and I've seen my share of PowerPoint presentations, and your share, and your share, and your share, and your share. I've seen a lot. I've heard a lot of the you know corporate bingo BS. I've heard a lot of that vocabulary so as to make people sound smarter than they actually are, right? That's the whole point of that stuff. Make it sound like we're doing stuff when actually you're not. Man, they spoke for like half an hour, and I'm not so sure anybody knew what they were talking about. They just kept saying the same buzzwords over and over and over and over again. So I'll probably throw something about that together uh, this week. Oh, a reminder, uh, what are you doing this weekend? The Family Dance Party, Charlotte. I'm actually going to be a judge. I am not an easy judger. I am not, especially on the dancing. I'm not saying I know how to uh, dance. Although I did, I did participate for a couple years way back in, uh, I guess it would have been junior high in the jazz rock chorus. Uh Uh-huh. I was one of the select elite members of the jazz rock chorus who decided uh, we were going to do the Broadway play Starlight Express. I do not roller skate. <laughs> so, but we did, we did get to wear white pants, white dress shirts, and sparkly purple vests. Groomers. Anyway, family dance. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, it's all true, but I'm all right. Family dance party uh, brings together generations of families to have fun to raise money for the Alzheimer's Association. This is a 
cause that uh, I've supported for years. I mean, not the dancing, but the Alzheimer's Association. Um, and uh, they got their local chapters very good here. Uh, and uh, Ramona from our sister station, Mix 107.9, of uh, the Matt and Ramona team. Uh, it, it, she's uh, put this together because her late mom, Wheezy, she was uh, uh, Alzheimer's uh, casualty, and um, and so this is what they do. And she loved to dance. Uh, Weezy loved to dance and have fun. And so they put together this dance party. It's a fundraiser for the Alzheimer's Association. It's going to be on June 11th. Uh, that's Saturday. And it's like 1 to 5 at Symphony Park in Charlotte. Kids, parents, grandparents, you can come uh, enjoy the games, the music, the food trucks, and then the dance contest has a $500 top prize you can get tickets. Go to Mix1079.com. Mix1079.com. And I'm going to be judging. I'm going to go all Simon Cowell. I think I should go Simon Cowell. Just start, like, harassing people. Isn't that what he does? Like, sexual harassment? Isn't that what took him down? No. Is it? Had, did he get taken down? With Gabrielle Union? Yeah, you know, or was it harassment? Or he would smoke in the dressing rooms. Yeah, and she complained about it. How does how does Bernie, the resident millennial, not know this story? If I know this story, then it broke through from the you know Kardashian pop culture garbage that is social media, and it it broke through to where I became aware of the story. I'm pretty sure it was Gabrielle Union. I'm embarrassed. First it, off, it was. This, Mark <laughs> Muller knows this. Mark knows how. Well, Mark is Mark is a he's a sleeper pop culture uh, expert. Mark is sharp. Well, let's not get crazy. <laughs> let's not get, but he will. You do not go to sleep on Mueller because he knows he knows his pop culture stuff. So yes, it was Gabrielle Union. There you go. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Right, let me get back to the Charlotte City Council and their uh, their vote last night to proceed in the negotiations. And by that, I mean just to give the Charlotte Hornets what they want. For the new arena deal, it's going to keep the team around for 2045 so they can keep on milking us for decades to come. Um, by the way, like I said, I don't think this is going to suffer any kind of roadblocks. I suspect it'll go through no problem, and I, I suspect most people will be happy. In fact, um, here it is. City of Charlotte's CFO, Teresa Smith, said about 60% of the public feedback received has been positive. So there you go. So positive feedback, 60% positive feedback, which ironically is almost the same percentage that voted against the arena deal 20-something years ago. And then city council went ahead and did it anyway. So I guess if we're looking at the numbers, then that means 60% public feedback being positive means we need to tank the deal, right? That's, I think that's what that means. That's just applying a consistent standard here, people. That's all. Councilmember Braxton Winston asked... Why this plan would spur development for the area if the arena construction didn't spur development in the first place? This is I, so like there's so many times, so many times 
I want to just write Braxton Winston off. <laughs> but then he goes and says something like this and totally redeems himself. Uh, no, he does. Like, that's, that's a very fair question. Right? If the whole, that whole, di- that was supposed to be the entertainment district. Heck, when the DNC came to town, right, they set up at, uh, what was it, Blackfin at the epicenter. That, the epicenter going bankrupt. Nobody wants to go there anymore. Maybe we shouldn't be creating another entertainment district right where the previous entertainment district failed. Right? It's a fair question. So he also raised, let me back up here. Winston uh, raised two issues. One, he says that the New Deal doesn't seem to fix the stuff that was wrong with the old deal, which was a bad deal, which put us on the hook for $173 million in ongoing upfitting and renovation costs. We already have to pay that. So that's why they're saying, well, if you just kick in a little bit extra, we'll stick around for another 15 years and we can have this, you know, bright new shiny thing, as as Keith Larson used to call them, the shiny things. The other issue he raised, the other concern, how does this project fit into the larger capital plan for entertainment writ large? Like, Discovery Place, Panther Stadium, Entertainment Districts, the Convention Center, and Bojangles Arena. All of these things um, work together, and we don't really um, have a plan. Um, Felt like this was put on us rather abruptly, even though uh, negotiations have been happening for three years. We have known about this for about, as a council, for about six months. Um, and, uh, and, and if I've only been able to talk about it publicly for, for a, a much smaller uh, a time period than that, you know, so this feels like a very transactional relationship yes. uh, and not a, a truly intentional partnership. Uh, and, and I find that um, disappointing. Um, and this is going to weigh heavily on me as, 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 as I consider the decisions. Uh, that we sir, have to make over this next week. Sir, we've already determined what the city is. Now we're just haggling over price. Wearing his mask during the Zoom call. Not kidding. Greg Phipps, Councilman Greg Phipps. He said that the city had two choices, basically. You can keep paying the invoices for the work that we are obligated to do without any extension to keep the Hornets here. Or do this new deal that keeps the team here for 15 additional years through 2045. I really do think that this particular deal that we got for us is, is better than what we had before. So to, to agonize over what was, I mean, it, it serves no purpose to me in my, in my mind. I mean, it either comes down to if we want to uh, have the Hornets here or not. Uh, you know, I mean... People have choices. As far as the community is concerned, I was here when the Hornets was here. The Hornets left. It was a big void here in the community. The Bobcats came in, they left. But we finally got the Hornets back. Everybody was glad. And I've got the feeling right now that the community loves the Hornets being here. No, oh, okay. So I don't know. I mean, we can we can we can agonize, uh, you know, the paralysis of analysis, uh, all of this, but it just comes down to what is it that we want to do? Do we want to go forth with, with this plan, or do we want to, uh, uh, you know, him and Hall 
or whatever. Him and Hall or whatever. Okay. Agonize over the past. Why Why you want to agonize over the past year? By the way, Greg Phipps on the city council uh, years ago during. Well, he, he's been on and off, and they always appoint him to fill the unexpired terms. And he does. But um, agonize over the past deal. Here's why you, quote, agonize over the past deal. That was a bad deal. So you don't make the same mistakes. That's why you agonize over. That's why you do an assessment. You you look back and you say, okay, that was a bad deal. Let's not do that again. Otherwise, how do you learn from your mistakes? Ed Driggs, council member Ed Driggs said, everybody agrees the Hornets are a valuable community asset and there's a reason to invest to keep the team here. But he said he still has concerns. For starters, that performance center or the practice facility. The $60 million commitment that we're making for the performance center is not supported by any assurance or guarantee of proceeds from naming rights sales because we don't have those contracts in place. And that, that to me, just as a risk management guy, is a gap that concerns me. Yeah. Um, also, the interdependence of the plan for the transportation center and the commitment that we're making to the Hornets. I mean, these are presented as kind of two related projects, but the fact is that the performance center, which is part of our Hornets deal, uh, is tied to the transportation center. Um, I, I think as a general observation, there are a bunch of things we should have done before we got to this point. Yep. And I think that's reflected in the questions that are being raised about you know, our policy choices and so on. Um, but the fact is that here we are, right? And so we need to decide what is our best act, course of action going forward. Ed Driggs said there appears to be a consensus to do a deal. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago also. The economics of this stuff where they talk about, oh, the multiplier effect and uh, oh, all of the economic activity that's generated, blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff is basically crap. OK, it's it, it's just garbage. Just make the pitch. We want a team. This is what it costs to have a team, and we're going to pay it. Because that's really at the core, that's what this is about. He said the council wants the deal to be a good one for the city, one that he said, quote, properly reflects the value of the team to the city and is competitive with other deals that other cities have worked out with their NBA teams. But uh, once again, there is a deal on the table now, and we have arrived at a point where we're kind of yes or no. I will note that from a public perspective, the fact that uh, we are dealing with a $173 million hole that we got into without knowing we were getting into it doesn't reflect well on us. And no. we can point to people in the past and we can, we can say, hey, that wasn't me. But if I were, you know, just looking at this as a member of the public and I heard that we had managed to get ourselves into a position where we had an inescapable liability for $173 million, I'd be a little upset. And I think that if we have a challenge, to Mr. Bakari's point, with public opinion, part of it is going to be about that. Uh, this is not exactly analogous to the Cross Charlotte Trail, but it, but it has, you know, a feel of that about it. And I, I think that we should not sort of sail through this and, and minimize the fact that there are going to be people who are properly upset that we are now having to commit these funds to an obligation that we should have known about. Uh, it's been there at least for four years from what we were told. And in fact, it's been accruing over the last 10 years. So uh, we need to be accountable for that. You know, I think my bottom line is that we should do the deal with the uh, Hornets. Uh, I want to keep the team here. 
Um, I just think that we have a little more work to do to make sure that we present this thing properly to the public and that we um, that we cover our exposures and, and make sure that we have a good deal for the city. See here, and I, I agree that they should not sail this thing through as they sail it through. Here's the problem. There isn't anybody to hold accountable, save for, you know, council member Malcolm Graham, who was on the council at the time the last arena vote was going down and that deal was getting struck. Who do you hold accountable? All the city management is gone. Heck, one of the former assistant city managers is now our mayor. So who's to pay the price besides us, the taxpayer, right? Who's to pay the price for the bad deal? What else do you do except say, bad deal, they they got snookered by the NBA on that one, but we so wanted the team, and it's totally not going to happen now. They're, the incentives are not there for, um, for the city to be able to walk away and to drive a hard bargain. They're just not there. So uh, whatever the deal is going to be, it's going to be, and they're going to approve it, I have very little doubt. Forty-seven miles is a long way to walk. It's true. Charlotte City Council member Braxton Winston asked during the committee meeting on this arena proposal, why would this plan to build a new practice facility and this entertainment district, which would be on Brevard Street, that kind of that street that goes right past the gravel lot, right past the transit center, goes boom, right into the uh the the side of the arena right there and that would be like the entertainment plaza right so it's very very convenient very convenient years ago i'm old enough to remember this it was like the first time ever that the charlotte observer identified the wbt sky show as the wbt sky show so on july 4th right we you know what better way to show you love your country than to blow up a small piece of it and to quote Apu from the Simpsons, um, anyway, the, the we you know we do the fireworks show every year, July Fourth. We got it coming up, Sky Show coming up this July Fourth as well. And we would always do it in Center City, Charlotte. And then one year, this was I don't know what, fifteen years ago or so, and uh, a whole bunch of youths descended on the uptown area after the fireworks show was over and uh, proceeded to settle neighborhood beefs on the streets of Uptown. People were terrified. And um, it happened again, I want to say. Uh, not a, uh, it, The next year we had to beef up security, but there was another event, I want to say, something like that happened again. And uh, that's when BT packed it up and moved it down to the... Uh, to the night stadium down in Fort Mill. And now it's back in Uptown, but Oh my God, the outrage, the outrage from people. Now they knew, see the Charlotte observer never would credit WBT for putting on this fireworks show for, you know, decades, never would put BT in the name of the event. So people thought this was a city event. So when we were like, we can't afford the cops, by the way, if you're wondering why all of these events are moving out of Uptown, you know, speed street and whatever, why they're all moving out. It's the cost of the police. They're, the city is requiring lots of cops to be staffed at these events now, and the price per cop, I think it's like 67 bucks 
per hour, something to that effect. And most of these organizations can't afford that. They're just street festivals. They're not making tons of money on this. So that's why a lot of these things are moving. They're going elsewhere. Um, but that was the year that the Charlotte Observer finally named WBT as the sponsor of the, as the provider. I mean, I'm not even, it's not even a sponsorship. It was us. Like I was out there when I wasn't filing reports about French fries and hot dogs on the streets of Charlotte in anticipation of the fireworks extravaganza and how much money we spent on the, on the fireworks and the bands and stuff. I was, you know, walking around clearing fallout zones and such running people wristbands and that sort of thing. It was all hands on deck. Everybody had to work it. Anyway, no hard feelings, though. Observer, no hard feelings. Those are the kinds of media, the petty media wars that, that it's, they're, they're comical to me. At any rate, um, that riot that occurred, the riots that occurred, and this was a full, what, decade before George Floyd inspired all of the other riots and Keith Lamont Scott inspired all these other riots. There, were the, there was all of this violence that was occurring in the center city area during these big events. And people got so mad when we moved the event. You took away, this is our tradition, this is Charlotte's thing. This isn't Charlotte's thing, right? This was our thing. We lost money doing that thing every year. <laughs> I didn't get raises at one point. We didn't get raises because we we took such a hit on one of those years. Anyway, not that I'm bitter, but I don't think anything bad could potentially happen by creating an entertainment district right there at the bus station. What could go wrong? I mean, aside, I mean, yes, if I go back and I look at, you know, history as some sort of indication of what might happen, I mean, yeah, it's okay, fine. But I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure no problems whatsoever. Just make sure, post a lot of gun-free zone signs and do not harden the targets. Just make sure that you don't do those things, right? You want people to be safe, don't you? Dan Barrett with CAA Icon, which is, uh, I think they're leading the effort for the naming rights uh, component here for the practice facility. Um, He said that the success of the proposed entertainment district will be contingent on the construction of the new transit center. The entertainment district is going to hinge on construction of the bus station. Quote, what's critical is redevelopment of the transit center. That's what's going to spur development around the arena. See, I'm old enough to remember when the arena was supposed to spur the development. But now the bus station's going to spur the development? Have you been to the bus station at all, ever? City staffers also laid out proposed designs for the transit center. The practice center and the transit center end up not working together, the practice facility would be built on a nearby gravel lot. Or, uh, Braxton Winston said, It feels sometimes like we're on one of those carnival booths and we're just throwing money around. Gosh, he's so close to understanding it. 